This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hi there, welcome along to this podcast with myself, Mark Lloyd, and I was joined in the studio by super guitar player Kel Jenkins, and we took a look back at the career of one of the all-time great rock and roll bands. You cannot help but move when you hear the music of Status Quo. We also hear from one of the founding members, Francis Rossi. Enjoy the podcast and join me live on the show, weeknights 8 through 10, right here on Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is The Night Shift with Mark Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Time to talk some music right now, and it's a pleasure to welcome back into our studios uh, guitarist Kel. He's a fair old player, and um, he's passionate about music like I am. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's uh, what gets us up in the morning and puts uh, a jiggle in the wiggle and a glide in our stride. <laughs> it certainly does, doesn't it? And, um, yeah, of course, we managed to chat um, just last week with uh, the incredible Sam Brown, the 1980s yeah. singer. What a career she's had. And, I mean, backup singer to so many big stars. Yeah, and I think that was one of um, the most interesting things about it because people know her through Stop, but they don't know like her background, her backing career with Pink Floyd and with George Harrison and with Jules Holland. The fact that she lost her voice, yeah. but she's just brought an album out. Her her parents, like Joe and Vicky Brown. And uh, yeah, it was a wonderful interview. She was very open about all of her career and and mm. some of the struggles with her voice, but still puts out her own stuff, incredible music. And yeah, what and, and what what a really, really humble down to earth. Yeah, lady she was a she lovely was. lovely lady, wasn't she? Yeah. No two ways about that. Anyway, this week on the show, um, we are reflecting it's not a classic album, but it's a band that have put out lots of classic albums, <laughs> let me tell you. So who are we gonna be talking about? Well this is I think it's probably I, arguably the biggest rock band in the world ever, which people wouldn't realise no. it. Yeah. Um, it's the huge and the mighty status quo. Status quo. Um, legendary, of course. You've got your hair in a ponytail yeah. um, tonight, just to kind of um, <laughs> honour Francis Rossi, who probably had one of the most famous <laughs> ponytails in the world of, of rock. I mean, they, they are a rock band. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, perhaps not in the vein of the, the Metallicas and, and, you know, the Def Leppards, but... Yeah. Um, kind of a more accessible rock pop it's yeah it's kind of boogie rock you yeah. know i mean it's it's the kind of cliched three called wonders but i think underneath that is the fact that what they do they do incredibly well better than anyone else in the world and um and if anyone's had the opportunity to see them live just incredible because they've played like since the 60s they found their sound they stuck with it but there's very few people i think that can play that style of kind of boogie rock the way they do the way with the feel that they do it and the groove that they have behind it and when you listen to some of the older stuff and some of the tracks that we'll play which are known they are a little bit more complex so they yeah <laughs> they i don't do think they're, they're as easy to play as we think now no. um Talking about seeing them live, I'm sure a lot of our listeners that have been around in Dubai for a, a number of years saw them at Al Nasser Leisureland um, when they came over. That was a long, long time ago. Uh, but they absolutely, you know, lifted the roof off, off Leisureland. And uh, it was yeah. a great show. And uh, they also filmed a video over here, which we'll get to in a moment. But um, I want to start with Live Aid because it, Live Aid, yeah. the legendary concert back in 1985, they opened it. They were the first band on stage. Yeah, and... I don't think, considering the legend of Live Aid, and people talk about Queen, people talk about U2, people talk about Bowie, but really the opening could not have been any better 
than what this band did. And again, I think it's that music. They don't take themselves too seriously. So you just get sucked into like, let's have a good time. Yeah. And that opening track and that opening track of Live Aid just set the whole scene. <laughs> <laughs> and I was lucky enough to interview Francis Rossi a few years ago on my show. And he spoke about that moment, probably being the best gig they've ever done. No, and nothing has eclipsed that. And I don't think it can. You have to remember what the world was like and what England was like, particularly at that point. And we were off for some reason that summer, which is unusual. We bumped into Bob Geldof being at the same record company, Rick and I. What we were doing in there, I don't know. And he was trying it on. We said, go away, Bob. You. And within a week or so, we were there again, which again was weird. And he said it and asked us again. And uh, he said, yeah, we need one of you older bands to commit. I subsequently found out he said that to all the older bands. And I said, look, Bob, we're not getting on. We're under-rehearsed. He said, it doesn't matter what you sound like. So we kind of agreed to do it. Rick and I did a lot of the promo. The other thing, too, you get, oh, everyone's egos got involved. Who wants to go on first? And so we said, we'll gladly go on first. Get on, get off, you know, before the problems begin. And when we walked on, that's when him and I looked at each other and went, ah, I get it now. And I think that happened with a lot of the, the artists that we suddenly realized that Mouth Almighty had got everyone galvanized and pushed. So it was a unique feeling in the audience. Then it wasn't the normal quid pro quo they've played to with an expectation. They felt to be part of it. I've never felt an audience like that before uh, and still haven't since. And there's some euphoric audiences you get, but nothing like that one. Nothing like Live Aid. He's he's quite a character. He's Francis Rossi. (laughs) We're going to get our first track in, and uh, this is um, probably the most famous tune, um, Rocking All Over the World. So there's a little clip of their most famous tune, Rocking All Over the World. In fact, that was the song that they opened with at Live Aid. I mean, (laughs) perfect. (laughs) You're going all the way with this song. Yeah, it's almost like you can't write it. Um, But I've watched that clip so many times, as I'm sure um, many people have, and it just still sounds so, so powerful. And it set the stage for absolutely everything and the the groove behind it, everyone getting together. And the whole thing was was rocking all over the world. Couldn't be a better song or a better band. Absolutely. And uh, I had no idea um, before we started uh, researching for this that that tune uh, was actually written by John Fogerty of uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was on his his second solo album, which he brought out in 75. So it was just before, because this was on um, their album called Rocking All Over the World, which came out 
1970, uh, 1977, they heard this and kind of felt, actually, we can kind of quote, mm. quoify it a bit and yeah. put, put a bit more kind of oomph to it. And it also um, started off their tour, which was called Rocking All Over the World Tour. So I think they've always been associated with this, but this is what they do. You yeah, hear it. And I know. You just... and, and I don't think there's another band that, that, that I've heard that can do it quite like status quo. No. You know, no. okay, it might only be three chords, but the groove is yeah, exactly spot on. Yeah. Such a great song that uh, apparently even Bruce Springsteen uh, added it to his set list when he saw the <laughs> UK. <laughs> yeah, he did in 1981, and why wouldn't you? It's just, as soon as you hear it, you can't not nod your head yeah. or do a bit of air guitar. It's just that, yeah, it's just, it's, just it, a great yeah, tune. Yeah, it's, it's the perfect tune, and, and my goodness, what a song to open up the very famous Live Aid concert that happened back in 1985. Thank you, Ashley, for your message. Um, the perfect show for the start of the evening. will be nice to set aside a day in the week to do a great band. Well, we do this pretty much every Thursday, Ashley, and I know Ashley's joining us on the line right now. Ashley, good evening, or welcome along to the show. Um, I believe you saw them back in 2007. Hello, Mark. Yes, yes, I did. It was in Dubai, but I'm not very sure where it happened. But, uh, I mean, the guys were amazing. They were really amazing. They are a fantastic band. Yeah, your guest in the show was talking about boogie rock. We call uh, we call this style a 12-bar. Now, if, there, if ever there's a guitarist listening to the show, it would be nice if you could second that or probably correct that. Because we used to call this the 12-bar rock and roll. Yeah, and it's just infectious, isn't it, Kel? Exactly. Absolutely. It kind of takes that 12-bar form, it throws boogie in it, and long Mm -hmm. hair and loud guitars, Mm -hmm. boom, away you go. (laughs) (laughs) We used to do do a couple of them as well. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. What what do you think it is that makes Status Quo such a special band? For me, it's the groove. It's, you know... I think, yes, yeah, the groove. And, And the way they take a few classics and turn it around... Uh, rocking all over the world. I mean, ama- amazing track. I mean, every single track of theirs that came out was actually better than the other. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, Ashley, thanks so much for your message and for coming on air with us. We've got another couple of tracks to share with you from uh, Status Quo. Uh, before we get to another song, though, um, I want to talk a little bit about um, his uh, Telecaster guitar, quite famous for his his green telly. Yeah, he's, um, he got it back in 1968, and he paid uh, sixty-five pounds for it, yeah, <laughs> which will uh, which will be important for the for the later <laughs> part of this story. And originally, it was what they call a sunburst color, so which is a similar color to the sun kind of coming up, yeah. And then he changed it to black, and it's like, oh, that's not working. And then he, all of a sudden, he was gigging. It's like, oh, what am I gonna what am I gonna paint it? And he had some <laughs> just some green paint knocking around, so so he painted it green. <laughs> Here is, we've got a little clip of him talking about um, his uh, guitars uh, through the years. The, uh, the famous green telly, apart from being extremely difficult to play, it doesn't, you know, they don't respond as well as Gibson's or sound as sweet 
I began about four years ago, began to have terrible tuning problems with it. So John Edwards, our bass player, gets status guitars, which is what he uses to make them. They're carbon fiber. And a guy made me one. I wanted it gray with pipers, fabulously made guitar, but I wasn't really knocked out with it. And then within a Two weeks of rehearsal, he'd made me another one, and it was green, and somehow try and mock to, to, to imitate the, the original Telecaster. And I said to him, look, the last thing I want is another green guitar. And I plugged it in and played it, and I've been playing that since. I, I would wish he hadn't done it green, but it, and he's, as I said, they can stress them to make them look older these days. But it's the, you know, a purist will tell you, no, no, he wants a 1956 so-and-so, so-and-so. And I can understand why they think that way, but if you go back to those guitars, the uh, measuring wasn't very good, the fret wire wasn't very good, the wiring of the pickups wasn't very good. They're all much, much better these days. Sounds like it was a dodgy guitar back in its day. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you get if you pay 65 quid for a guitar. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's get into our second tune from uh, the band Status Quo. What have you gone for, Kel? So this is um, it's a song called Down Down, and the reason I picked this is one with as with all status quo stuff, it's got a great groove, um, and this is kind of like mid seventies that it came out. But for me, this is a little bit more complex. I mean, it was interesting what uh, I think Ashley, the, yeah, Ashley uh, what, yeah. what he said is it's you know everything's kind of twelve bar, and status quo is known for that, and that's kind of why I picked this as well because I think musically it's a little bit outside of that. It's still got that that kind of boogie rock feel to it, but it's a little bit more kind of complex and it's got a great feel to it. It's, it's, it's one of my personal favourites, so it's a, a great song. Yeah, 1974 and down, down. Um, that went all the way to the top of the charts, number one. 
Yeah, it did. And I think I'm just, just trying to find my stat here, Flea, the amount of number ones they had, but it was, it was huge. But uh, again, with this, I think it, it's still got that quo feel to it, mm-hmm. that, that boogie feel to it, but not the, the normal the normal kind of 12 bar. And I think this is kind of where they, they kind of really took off mid-70s, but they haven't stopped since. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about them the, is just the longevity. Thank you, um, Rich. You're listening in Abu Dhabi. Uh, down, down, turn it up to 11 and break the knob off. Uh, thank you for that, Rich. <laughs> up in Abu Dhabi. It is one of those kind of songs. Not a keyboard in sight, is there, with <laughs> yeah, status quo. It's very much a guitar <laughs> player's band. Now, of course, the two main members of, of the group, we've spoke a lot about Francis Rossi, hmm. but Rick Parfit, of course, was, um, you know, a, another main man in status quo. Huge. Absolutely huge. He's playing... He's, he's got a really, really kind of... He had a really aggressive way of playing... That the strings he used were a lot thicker than normal guitarists because he just really? pounded it. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like kind of tree trunks that, that he used really heavy gauge strings. But he really, really bashed it hard. But he looked great as well. And I think this was this was the thing. He looked he looked like a rock star. He yeah. stayed there. He had you watch him. He's got all of the big martial amps behind him. He's he's got the pose. He's got the blonde hair. And then he just went again with this particular track when it kind of kicks in and he's doing the main riff. It's just just incredible they just got this look and i mean i'm wearing the t-shirt tonight yeah. by the way um of, of status quo but they you know that they had this look and so many photographs of them the, the pair of them rick parfit mm. and and francis rossi kind of in that you know legs slightly bent the jeans yeah. on you know it was all blue jeans wasn't it and uh, you know um really kind of blended together yeah, and it's interesting because that came about because from the 60s, it was very uncommon for people to wear denim because it was all a lot of the 60s kind of clothing. Yeah. So when they first started wearing it, it was very, very like, oh, that's unusual. And they stuck with it ever since. But I think in terms of guitar posing, which everyone does, I might do it occasionally <laughs> at home in front of the mirror, um, they invented it. <laughs> but they look so good with it. it yeah, wouldn't, you know, yeah. when you think of status quo, you think of them standing together, as you say, kind of legs apart, you know, kind of really, you know, guitars up in the air. Yeah. Just fabulous. Just delivering it completely. Yeah. We're going to come back. And, of course, I mean, sadly, um, we lost uh, Rick Parfit a few years ago. And, uh, you know, Francis misses him every single day. But um, the band survived. The band went on and are still rocking to this yeah. day. We'll have more on status quo when we come back. This is The Night Shift with Mark Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8, the UAE's number one talk radio station. Yeah, we are looking at the incredible band Status Quo and um, their awesome career. I think they were put together in the 1960s, weren't they? Yeah, it was, yeah. So how it all started was uh, they were formed sort of back in 1962, but the, the band was originally... Uh, called the Scorpions and was founded by Francis Rossi. Good job they changed it, wasn't yeah, it? Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone else might have taken that a bit more down the line. And um, yeah, then they they had a few lineup changes. They met Rick Parfit in in '66, um, and then they were the, the Status Quo in '67, and then Status Quo in '69. Now, um, as I just mentioned, um, Francis Rossi, I was lucky enough to interview him and, you know, I asked him about Rick Parfit. It was after his death and, um, you know, how the band kind of got through that without one of the main men. And here's what he had to say. I think every morning, in fact, most days since he died, I haven't had a day that I haven't thought about him in some way, some negative, some positive. 
But initially, when, when he was sort of health problems for a few years, you know, when that wild man of rock, there's a payback. And he did say that in his Sky News thing. He did, yeah. you know, wild man, now's the payback time. But the main thing was that initially he was ill, then he stood down for a while, and we had John's son in, which was kind of safe. We'd done it before. It wasn't permanent. And then it became permanent. That's when it made everybody go, whoops. And we 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 had ideas of Richie because he'd been to see us with his father since he was very young. He does play very well, and he's very the the quo stuff. But I was still very mm, who are you, you little you know, you're not Rick kind of thing. And um, but once it became that's how it's going to be, then we all focused a lot more. Well, that expression we had to pull our socks up. We yeah. had to focus and concentrate a lot more. Perhaps we had become. Uh, complacent and perhaps older bands do that you, there has to be a certain amount of um, playing on auto but a certain amount of you've got to get a balance if it's too auto it's mundane if it's not auto enough it's not slick enough so we were focusing on this new guy so play this how that's played and he's taken most of his influence from the original recordings which it would seem we may have drifted away from for a while and now you can see where we're all, we, we're engaged, our eyes engage, and you can see us looking at each other, thinking, what's going to happen next? And there is a certain amount now of, it's like being when we were in our very early 20s, that it was this, these guys against the world trying to prove something. It's a different what you have to prove at that point, whereas now we have to prove again that it is still valid, even without Rick, which is kind of weird for me to be saying that. These guys against the world. Yeah. <laughs> I think they conquered it as well, didn't they? Eh? <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> uh, we need to get another song in. This one's Caroline. Um, what do we know about this? Yeah, and it's nice, uh, nice follow-on from talking about Rick Parfit because the story of this one, again, this was a huge hit of theirs. He came in with like the kind of intro riff uh, just at rehearsal when they was playing around so Rick started playing that and then Francis thought well I'll answer that and you'll hear it right at the very beginning it's, you've got two guitar lines yep. which are almost kind of talking to each other and then it goes into that absolute classic status quo groove
So there's uh, yet another big hit. That made it to number five in the UK in 1973 for uh, status quo. What's their music like to play, Cal? Is it, you know, is it pretty easy or is it fun? Or do you, to get it right, do you have to really yeah, yeah. study it a bit? I think the first thing with it is it's just great fun and you just have to commit. It's... Um, Technically, it's not like kind of widdly-widdly stuff, but to be able to play it properly, you've got to really put everything into it. And that's what comes across, and I think that's why they're so powerful live. And even people that not, may not necessarily like their music, if they see them live once, boom, they're hooked. But yeah, I mean, it's... A lot of people, as I say, they put it down as a 12-bar, but yeah. songs like Down and Down are more complex. But yes, yeah, so much fun to play. You just kind of get lost in the part <laughs> and in the music. And, and we've not mentioned the vocals either, really. No. You know, um, very distinctive huge and I think again that was kind of the combination between um, Francis and Rick as well they had these beautiful harmonies they were they were so close as kind of Francis alluded to and I think that also fed into how they sung together you know they they played music together they they hung out together they they did absolutely everything together and yeah. that really fed into the music and why it, it, you can feel the closeness of of, yeah. of the band when you hear them every single time yeah now when i came uh, or, or when i interviewed uh, francis rossi um i had to ask him about a certain song because i you know I, i've been here a long time I, I think it was early 90s um or perhaps late 80s 86. That, that, that they came that they came out was it 86 yeah. and there was a big commotion down by the creek and the, lots of tv cameras and you know something was definitely going on and it kind of news got around town that status quo were actually shooting a video um a music video on on the dubai creek and it, it and Sure enough, they did, and you can check it out. It's on YouTube. It's called Rolling Home, and there they are on a, on an Abra, rocking <laughs> away um, to uh, this this tune. And um, I asked uh, Francis Rossi um, all about this, and uh, he, you know, he told me about shooting the video, uh, but his love as well uh, when they fell in love with uh, Dubai and and the region. Yeah, it did. It's got a track Rolling Home, I believe. Some of the some of the, the lyrical content of Rolling Home is there's something to do with the Middle East or some young guy from England going out to work there, and so that was the idea of using it. But it was the very first time I saw Dubai, and I kind of fell in love with the the whole Arabic thing. I do love that something they have. Apart from maybe Dubai now has gotten so modern that which you had to do, I suppose. So I find Muscat sometimes. I think the Iman is kind of I love that sort of Arabic thing. I don't know why. The authenticity of it, perhaps, I don't know. And I remember eating, when I first went to Dubai, having Arabic lentil soup with a great piece of um, lemon in one of them bits of sacking. <laughs> no, I'm a terrible food person, the entire band is, so every time I get there, I try trying to find a... Have you got Arabic lentil soup? Yeah. Have you got Arabic lentils? <laughs> Get some Arabic lentil soup. <laughs> Simon, thank you for your message. Do you think there's any chance we might see status quo in Dubai again? Perhaps maybe at Dubai Opera like AHA? I would keep my fingers crossed and hope so. I don't see why not. No, they're still playing. And um, they got speaking about that kind of replacement guitarist there. Their latest guitarist came in about three, three, four years ago. And I think what that does, it gives them another spark to keep going. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. And, and what a treat that would be to see him again over it, here. It would, wouldn't it? And uh, check out that, uh, that video. You can see it on, on YouTube. Here's the song Rolling Home.
So that's the song. Uh, you can see the video, as I mentioned, on YouTube. And Dubai, in all its glory, is there. And they're on a doubt, rocking away to that tune, Rolling Home. I've, I've got a funny feeling. I've not watched it for a while, but I, they might jump into the creek at the end of it. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure. But uh, it was uh, a great day and um, a, a fabulous video. you got a few stats to wrap up with. Yeah, and I think this really kind of emphasises how big they are. And when I was researching it, it kind of was like, wow. So Turtle Album sells 118 million worldwide they spent 500 weeks in the album charts one of only 15 bands to do that 100 singles um, 400 weeks wow. in the charts 22 top 10s two Guinness Book World Records 106 appearances on Top of the Pops <laughs> estimated 6,000 gigs and have played to an estimated 25 million people oh come on guys uh, thank you Ian for your message uh, saw status quo live in the Isle of Man back in the 1970s rolling home with Quo So, final thoughts on status quo. All, all those appearances on top of the pops. I, I bet they slept there, yeah? I know, probably. Yeah, yeah. I think they did more than anyone else. Well, I think it's just encapsulated in rocking all over the world. I think that's yeah. it. That's exactly what they did. Whenever you hear it, it's just great fun music you you have to nod your head you have to put a smile on your face and it makes you want to rock all over the world so you do and right. they even kind of um created dances didn't they yeah, to, the, to this music with the shoulders kind of going and um yeah just a totally brilliant band and uh what a lovely guy francis rossi as well he was so so nice to me when when i interviewed him he told me about when they went to meet the queen at the palace as well and yeah, such a, an incredible character. Fantastic stuff. Nice one there, Kel, as we reflected there on the great career of Status Quo. We'll catch you again next week. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.